Are we ready? All right. Hey, welcome everybody. I, I got to tell you, I I am overwhelmed. I've done workshops on a lot of different topics and missions over the year, but I have never seen a turnout like this, and it just adds to something that I'm seeing because I've really got my radar up for what's going on in the world in terms of prayer and God's uh, trying to connect with His people at a deeper level. Well, here's the evidence right in front of you. There are wonderful things happening. had a little technical difficulty, so my PowerPoint is going to be um, slightly delayed, but we'll catch up with that in just a minute. My name is Rich Sheely. My wife and I served um, as missionaries in Asia for 20 years. I say in Asia, uh, we started out with third generation refugees in a no man's land that time has long since forgotten. And then we went to the other end of the socioeconomic spectrum and landed in Singapore for the bulk of our time there. Then I came back to the U.S. eventually to lead the organization that I was with for several years. That was a fantastic experience. And then anomaly of anomaly, anomalies. When I left there, I ended up at Walmart corporate headquarters for a few years. <laughs> Only God can pull that kind of thing off, let me tell you. Um, and then um, three years ago, I came back into the mission world, into my first love, um, and join Pioneer Bible Translators. And as you might guess from our name, our organization translates the Bible. For there are right now 1,860 languages without one word of Scripture in their heart language. And we're doing something about that. Um, the other thing that you need to know to really understand Pioneer Bible Translators and what's unique about us is that um, we go where there is no church. Predominantly, It's not the only place we go, but that is our primary focus. So you hear of unreached or least reached people groups and people groups without the Bible. There's 900 that have no church and no scripture. And that's where our organization is predominantly uh, focused. The reason I'm here today, not only talking to you about prayer as a strategy, but um, to share with you that Nine, uh, nine years ago, Pioneer Bible Translators made a major, major change in our strategy. Now, some of you, I can tell looking at the ages, are just getting ready to go out. Some of you have been doing mission-related ministry for a long time. If you're in what I would refer to as a mom-and-pop organization, that's what we were for 27 years. And then um, something happened nine years ago, and for the next in the next six years, our core metrics, everything we measure to say if we've been successful, doubled. Not over the previous six years, but over the first 27 years of our organization, um, we doubled the number of overseas career missionaries. With our organization, we doubled the number of verses drafted. We doubled the number of verses published. We almost tripled the number of countries that we were in as an organization. Currently, we're about a third of the way into that next six-year block, and everything is on target to at least double again. And that is getting the attention of different people. Um, and I think 
that God is expecting us to actually maybe do more than double in this next six-year period because we figured out, we thought about it, it dawned on us actually a couple years ago that if we're going to double again, that means we have to recruit twice as many missionaries. And we had two full-time recruiters. And we started praying, God, we need some more recruiters. And we're quite confident that He expects to keep growing because He sent us seven. So we've gone from two full-time recruiters to nine full-time recruiters uh, in just a little over a year. So, what was that major change in strategy? We decided to make prayer the strategy. Hence the name of this workshop. Hence why I am here to share with you today. Now, I led a mission organization that had a lot of media production studios. We had 11 studios in seven countries. Spent 20 years overseas. And if somebody would have said, prayer is our strategy, I would have said, well, we pray all the time. And it's true. Our organization was very, very focused on prayer. But there's a difference. And what I want to do, what I want to accomplish in this breakout session is to kind of unpack that for you and what that looks like. And so I'm going to divide this workshop into two parts. In the first part, I'm going to be providing the perspective of our president, Greg Pruitt. Greg was originally invited to come and speak to you today. Too bad for you. Greg's in a board meeting right now. Too bad for him as well. Um, But I think there was a reason that God sent me to, to come and make this presentation because I may be closer to where you are today. Um, three years ago, I may have been closer to where you are today than uh, Greg was. And Greg is someone that I respect as not only a man of prayer, but becoming what I would term an intercessor. And I think there's some things that you need to hear from my journey because I have seen so much change in my life since, since joining Pioneer Bible Translators and becoming a part of this culture that I want to unpack for, for you what that looked like for me in hopes that it will help you as you um, uh, contemplate making prayer the strategy for you. Excuse me just a second. I am trying to figure out why the PowerPoint slide is positioned the way it is. Uh, everybody can read that, right? Okay, we're not going to worry about the technology then. Um, so I want to start out sharing a little bit from Greg's perspective. He, he uh, basically tells it that back in 2006, I was minding my own business working in a missionary in West Africa when disaster struck. The board of Pioneer Bible Translators made me the president of our mission. I realized that everyone would be looking to me and expecting me to have a plan. I'm a Bush missionary, not a CEO. I had nothing. So I started begging God for help. And I thought, you know, I'm a Bible translator. What if I look in the Bible? (laughs) Makes sense. There I found Jesus' promise that God would answer certain kinds of prayers with infinite power. I said, hey, what if, what if this stuff would actually work? What if instead of praying about our strategy, we made prayer the strategy? 
Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Okay, I do have a problem with my PowerPoint. Okay, any technical gurus with PCs here? Okay. No worries. Um, I'm just going to read these scriptures because they're going to be familiar to you. I tell you the truth. If anyone has faith in me, he will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son... Maybe so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. John fourteen twenty six. At least I maybe I can get the reference up for you. Yeah, John fourteen twelve to fourteen. You know, Jesus in this passage didn't say anyone who is an apostle. He said anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things. Jesus will do whatever we ask in His name. So, what does praying in Jesus' name really mean? When when Jesus said that, what did His apostles, what did the disciples understand that He was saying? Is this where we say, Dear God, I could really use a Lamborghini. In Jesus' name, amen. No. In that culture, in that context, in the name meant that the names of people represented their nature, their character, their purpose. Jesus' name means salvation. So whenever that we pray things that are consistent with the passion and nature and character of Jesus' name, Prayer for His kingdom to come. Prayer for His will to be done. We're praying in Jesus' name. That little tagline that we put on the end of our prayers has nothing to do with what He was talking about when He talked about praying in His name. We were just in John 14 and John 15. Jesus says, If you remain in Me, And my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. Later in that same chapter, Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. And this is the point I want you to zero in on. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then you will ask what, then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name, consistent with my nature, with my purpose, with my mission. So the bad news is, probably not going to get that Lamborghini. And that reality TV show you've been dreaming about, Beards and Bibles, I doubt a and is going to pick that up either. But the good news is that the mission of Jesus is at His heart 
the heart of his character, his core, who he is. And God promises to answer prayers that are aligned with that mission with unlimited power. For those of you just trying to decide where God would have you to go, I would encourage you to focus on God's mission and prayer and asking God to direct you exactly where He wants you to go. God answers prayers in Jesus' name with unlimited power. It's very different than what we typically think of when we talk about praying in Jesus' name. One more passage from John, next chapter, 16. He says, I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Now, there's a caveat. And that is that we cannot take those promises out of the context of everything that Jesus taught about Scripture. If we do that, we're likely to ask one or two or or maybe a few times and never see the answer that we are looking for. The second thing that Jesus taught us about prayer is to persevere in prayer. Jesus told two stories about prayer and about always praying and never giving up. In Luke 18, we find the first one. This one's about the guy who's laying in bed at night and all of a sudden, there's a knock on the door. It's the middle of the night. He rushes to the door, fumbling with his shotgun and trying to get some shells in there. Well, that's how it works in Texas these days anyway. And he looks out the people and his wife's right behind him. Ah! It's our crazy neighbor. And they know this guy is not going to stop until they answer the door. Because he's just going to keep on pounding. Hey, even if you're a bad neighbor, you're going to open the door to get the guy to go away. And Jesus' point was how much more likely is God to answer our prayers if we pray persistently? Matter of fact, Jesus kind of turns us around and puts us in the role of the crazy, shameless neighbor. He says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Why? Why does God want us to keep knocking, to keep praying. For our organization, we've come to believe that there's a very real reason for that. Think of it this way. What would happen if somebody in your church or your mission prayed once and God brought incredible results? What would you think? Wow, that guy's awesome. He's got an amazing connection with God. As human beings, our nature is that we would take credit for what happened and people would elevate us as someone great and probably ruin us and ruin our ministry and ruin our witness. But if God withholds until we pray persistently for days, weeks, 
months, sometimes even years. And then God brings about the breakthrough. And we see amazing results. Who gets the credit? He does. We know where it's coming from. Greg tells the story of of doing a workshop like this on prayer with uh, much smaller attendance. International Conference on Mission. He said, I realized right before the seminar that I had not had my quiet time. I gotten busy preparing and lots of things, lots of meetings going on. He said, it would be super hypocritical to teach on prayer without praying. So I got out my prayer list and I began to go through it. And I got to the place on our strategic prayer list where we had been praying for the finances for our organization. And while I was praying, the phone rang. I answered it, and the man on the other end of the line said, Greg, I've decided to give Pioneer Bible Translators $60,000. He thanked him, hung up, and said, wow. Matter of fact, it says a sense of awe came over him to have seen God work in that way. We shouldn't be surprised when God brings real-time answers to prayer. Sometimes He does. Sometimes He makes us wait a long time. In that case, we'd been waiting a long time. But God brought it at a very opportune moment to punctuate the importance of prayer. For our organization, we've made this pretty simple. We make a list and we distribute it among the entire ministry and we keep praying again and again, and again, about the same things. Jesus taught about unified group prayer. In uh, Matthew, he says, Again, I tell you, if two or three agree about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. The word agree in this passage is the same word from which we get the word symphony. In other words, unified group prayer is like a beautiful symphony for God. Let me summarize. God answers unified group prayer, prayed persistently with unlimited power. There is one slide I really hope I can bring up here. Let me see. Yep, okay, good. You can see that one. That's an important one. Back in 2008, is the timeline visible on here? No, it's not. Um, okay, on the, the right-hand side at the bottom of that graph is 2008. It should be labeled down below, but you can't see that. Anyway, um, I'm sorry, that, that, whole, that whole graph is 2008, and the bottom lower right is the month of July 2008. That is our finances that year. The middle of what many refer to as the Great Recession. And Greg had just become the president of Pioneer Bible Translators. He describes the email from our accountant hitting his inbox like a grenade. Pretty disruptive for him personally, because if you can see on this slide, it's showing our finances tanking. Um, 
the bottom line there that you see is minus $4,000 just that month. So things were going downhill, and as he described it, he was riding a bobsled to bankruptcy very quickly downhill. He said, we had already made prayer the strategy, and... Um, When I got that email, I sent, I sent an email to our teammates worldwide, urgent call for prayer that God would show up and show up in a dramatic way. Um, well, I hope this next slide can be seen. Yep. That's the rest of the year. You see anything that changed? We shot into the positive like a rocket. If a financial expert were to look at that graph of our finances for the year, they'd point to July and say, I don't know what you did here, but you need to do a whole lot more of this. Um, Since making prayer the strategy, our finances as an entire organization have gone from about $4 million a year to over $10 million a year. We have continued to pray very strategically for God to provide. We've had a couple of financial analysts look at our our numbers here, point to that spot and say, what did you do right here? And we say, well, we began praying the kind of prayers that Jesus taught us to pray. They never quite look at you the same afterwards, but... It works for us. Another thing, people told us as an organization that young people today would not commit to long-term ministry, especially into the kind of places where our teams go. Picture the folks you see often in National Geographic living in mud huts with grass roofs. That's where we're sending people. Yet we began praying that God would send us the right new missionaries. Anybody want to venture a guess where we actually implemented that prayer with a very strategic focus on sending us the right new missionaries? Yeah, right there where it really begins um, to climb. And that is where uh, just another evidence of the way that God has been answering. So let me sum up for you, and again, I hope this slide will uh, be able to read it. Okay, everything but the first one. The first point one, if you're taking notes, the first point is simply ask God to show you what He wants you to do. It needs to be directed from Him. And prayer as a strategy starts right there, with God calling the shots. Now, if, if you're in a ministry... And you've got a strategic plan laid out that you're fully engaged with. I would encourage you, stay with that plan, but begin praying and letting God alter that plan and redirect as He would. Um, And I'll explain more of that later. Um, Second, listen for God's assignments. Hey, it's probably going to sound impossible. It may even be terrifying. Often that's how you know it's from God. The next thing, and and, you know, it's not rocket science. Keep specific, strategic prayer requests. 
organize your prayer requests and keep praying. Jesus said to pray persistently. And for our organization, that has been what we've begun doing is praying persistently for the same strategic list. And we're careful as an organization to pick things that we think are at the core of what we need to be doing. But I've got it in my prayer uh, journal, and I pray over it virtually every day because these things are incredibly important to the success of what we're doing. And the last thing is to pray expectantly. If we're praying expecting that God is going to give us direction, we need to have a pen and paper handy to make notes on what He is saying. Um, it's just a part of showing up in faith that God is going to answer. Okay. That's part one of what I wanted to share with you. That's really kind of the framework of prayer as a strategy. It's not complicated. It's, um, it's not a formula. I want to be very clear on that. I firmly believe that if God gave us a formula, we might not need God. If A plus B equals outcome C, who needs God? We just need the right formula, the right secret recipe. And that's not what this is in any way, shape, or form. This is simply a framework that fits with what Jesus taught in Scripture. I want to switch gears now and share a little bit of my own personal journey coming into the organization and trying to figure out what this looked like and and where to start. Um, I joined Pioneer Bible Translators uh Four years uh, after that graph you saw a little bit ago showing our finances. And in three years before, we had started a capital campaign. And we were trying to raise $3.5 million in three years. We were three years into it. I inherited all of this, and we didn't have quite half the money. We had plateaued, we had stalled, and we were stuck. And so I was really, in a sense, driven to prayer and seeking God for uh, how we would do that. Another thing that you kind of need to understand about our organization, um, before I joined, I asked the, the uh, technical guys to send me a list of our donors. I didn't even want to see names. I just wanted to know how many we had. In my mind, we needed at least 3,000 to do what the organization needed to do. And when they sent me the report, there was 2,800 and so, and I thought, oh, okay, we can do that. And then about a month and a half after I joined, I discovered there was an error in the query that they made from our database, and the real number was more like 300. So that's 300, 3,000. We were a long ways from where we needed to be as an organization to be able to fund what we were trying to do. The other thing going on was some internal conflicts within myself. Now, I had spent 20 years in Asia working in a predominantly Buddhist and Taoist culture. And I loved to talk about how that Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. Exactly. But three years ago, I really got very honest with myself and realized that I had made my own personal walk with the Lord 
a lot more of a religion than it was a relationship. And I became very convicted of that. And then one other thing. Jesus said that His sheep would know His voice. And I was not hearing His voice. I had a lot of friends who were uh, very spiritually attuned to God's leading, but it wasn't happened for me. And so I decided that everything I had been taught about the mechanics of a quiet time and connecting with God needed to go out the window. All of the box ticking that I was doing, you do this, you do this, you do this, presto, you've got a relationship with God, went out the window. And I really took to heart what God told Jeremiah, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. And that became my mantra, if you will. The question stopped being how much time have I spent in prayer and Bible study, it became have I connected with God today. I wanted to know His voice. I quickly realized that there were two huge elements that had to change. One was the quantity of time that I was spending. And I found this very simple, had this very simple idea. I began setting my alarm clock 5, 10, 15 minutes earlier. And when that became my new normal, I set it that much earlier again. Now, I'm not a morning person. You may not be either. So you may be saying, well, that that wouldn't work for me. Uh, I fought it for a long time. But the second reason that I found that was so critical for me was my head was clearest when I first got up in the morning. All the noise from the day, all those activities that influence your mind, all of that stimulus that impacts you throughout the day, For me, it's not there when I first wake up. And so, with the help of a cup of coffee, I began carving out more and more time. Now, the funny thing was, I I envisioned I really wanted to go deep into the Word. And I wanted to create an incredible um, uh, study. Uh, What I envisioned was getting a software that would... uh, let me look at different versions, would let me um, track notes and cross-reference and do word studies and record it all. And, and I can't even explain why now, but for me a big deal was being able to print that out. And I could find most of what I wanted. <laughs> the copyright was getting in my way again because nobody had the permission for you to, cop- to, to, to do all that and then print out the entire Bible. In the midst of all of the softwares that I was looking at, I stumbled across something that has become hugely significant to me. It's an ESV wide margin Bible. And the the scripture verses are in about half the page. And the rest of it is just margin. And my son, it was right before Christmas, my son lived in Baltimore and he was like, Dad, what do you want for Christmas? And I said, well, I stumbled onto this Bible I'd like that and mention a few other things so he could surprise me. And lo and behold, on Christmas Day, this is what showed up. That night or the next morning, don't remember for sure, I sat down and began reading. And totally out of uh, different than what I had envisioned doing with it, I started responding. You know, I mean, somebody sends you an email, a letter, a text. You respond. I started responding to God. Wow, 
That's awesome. Wow, that's... Uh, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Um, I put questions in. I put prayers in. I said, Lord, help this to happen in my own life. And for three years, and I don't know if you can see these pages or not, but there is page after page after page. I'm beginning to worry, what do I do when I run out of room with this particular version? But for me, writing right there on the page, real time, responding with God, was an incredible leap forward in beginning to connect, beginning to hear God's voice. Um, and, and I've realized recently, especially as Western academic Christians, that sometimes our approach to education really gets in our way of understanding what God is saying. We think of the Word of God as a roadmap, as a guide. We go to it to solve problems. How many of you have been through a, a, a small group series that was really designed to answer problems in life today, like marriage or relationships? Yeah, I see some of you smiling. There's a plethora of, of options out there to how to solve problems in life today with Christian answers. Don't on me. You know, you could be an atheist who recognizes Jesus really had it all figured out and like His model and start applying everything that He says about how to live life and never connect with God. Just using it as a problem-solving model. I recently... um, heard a quote and it, it just stuck with me and I found out later it stuck with a bunch of people that heard it. It was a man who had uh, hit middle age, was not a Christian, but he began reading the Bible. And he said, as I got into the story, I encountered the author and I realized it was somebody I already knew. Wow. Wow. That has become much more what I have been seeking and the relationship that I have been chasing God and really um, desiring in my life. You know, it's kind of funny the way that we look at, at spiritual growth and getting into God's Word. We, we make it all about disciplines. Um, we make it about knowledge and we miss the whole relationship aspect. One verse that really impacted me in this is where Jesus, I would say, blasted the Pharisees. He said, You search the Scriptures because you believe that in these you have eternal life. But these are they that bear witness to Me. Yet you refuse to come to Me and have life. For me, and it it took over a year, I look back on this period of my life now and refer to it as the quest. I don't know when it really started. I just know some of the factors that came together that launched me into this pursuit. Um, And uh, it really, I would say, came to fruition the end of last year and and early this year. 
the uh, the one thing though that that drove it was this desire to hear God's voice, and I began realizing all of a sudden I was able to begin distinguishing God's leading in my life. And kind of as a sidebar to that, I will say this. He had been leading all along. I just couldn't distinguish His voice from all the noise in my own head. Since then, I've had specific instructions in ministry. Kathy Elfjan's on my team with Pioneer Bible Translators and a member here. She can tell you things have been going on. Uh, One very unique thing that I'm very excited about, sin lost 90% of its appeal. When, when Satan puts a temptation in front of me now, the first thought in my mind is, if I do that, it's going to inter- interrupt my relationship with God. I want no part of that. Because I can't afford to interrupt my relationship with God. It's, it's become way too valuable and too important to me. Um, another thing that happened, I began uh, going home at night. I had a great quiet time in the morning. Now, in the box-ticking era of my life, um, I was done. But now I go home at night, and if things get quiet, one of the first things I will do is grab my Bible and spend time with the Lord because that is exciting. A lady in my small group the other day said, you know, uh, something needs to change. She said, I get into a novel, and every time I get a break, I want to pick it up. But she said, I don't do that with the Bible. And I'm like, yeah, I can understand because that was my life for, well, 52 years. Um, so that has really, has really changed for me. Um, we've had an incredible time this last year with a, the finishing that uh, fundraising campaign I was talking to you about earlier. August 23rd, 2014, just a little over a year ago, we got a $30,000 matching grant. And uh, that was great. That was exciting. It was also kind of intimidating. Now, that's keeping perspective. We needed two million dollars, and thirty thousand was kind of intimidating. And so we did what development teams do. We got word out to all of our donors. We have this grant. Um, please help us to match it so we don't miss out on any of the funding that this donor is willing to give. And um, five weeks later. The time is half up. All of our donors are aware, and we have $5,000. And we have 25000 laying on the table that we're like, what's going to happen? Well, it happened to be the week of our annual strategic meeting where all of our teammates that are U.S.-based or happen to be on home assignment come to Dallas, and we spend several days um, as together as an organization, planning, making preparations for the following year. And I just said to everybody there, pray that God shows up. We need to get this momentum, and, and only He can do it. We as a team have done everything we know to do, and we've raised 5000 and there's 25000 sitting on the table. Within a week of putting out that appeal for prayer, the next $25,000 came in. Two days later, and, and this is so uncharacteristic of our ministry, um, sorry, I do development, so I use fundraising illustrations a lot. Um, we're not just all about money, but that's kind of my world in this organization, so I use this illustration. Two days later, totally uncharacteristic of our ministry, we were offered a $500,000 matching grant. 
totally unheard of in our world. Matter of fact, the backstory to that was our president had felt very convicted in prayer to ask for that. And then after he asked for it, he realized, let's see, this donor has sometimes given 50000 Once in a great long while, they've given 100000 A year ago, I asked for them to really dig deep and go 200000 And they gave us like 25000 I just asked for 500000 What's that about? Well, anyway, they came through, gave us the grant. Um, long story short... Uh, by the end of the year, we were well beyond halfway to, to raising the funds. We'd said we needed it by the end of the Mar- end of March to keep the project on time and on budget. April 1st, we got the last gift to match uh, that grant. Totally uh, unique for our organization. And then the craziest thing happened. Uh, long story short, I had been praying for a long time, what do you mean, God, when you say, be still and know that I am God? I'd had some teaching on that in my life a long time before. It didn't work. It wasn't making sense. I had been praying. And God answered that and applied it to our situation. Basically, what it means is stand down. Now, I'm not going to try and explain all this right now, but that was the message. Stand down. I've got this covered. We still had $150,000 left to go. A lot of things had been happening with this project, so on and so forth. And uh, everything was on our team to finish the fundraising. And that did not seem like a wise idea. We had great momentum going forward. Standing down, back off, didn't seem like the thing to do. Fast forward to that same week, just a few weeks ago, a couple months ago now, August, the week of August 23rd, we had brought forward our annual strategic meeting, so those two coincided. And that's when God provided the last gift that we needed to finish this $3.5 million campaign that had been kind of an albatross around our neck for a while. So, you know, God is, is doing some incredible things. Um, we're going to wrap up here in just a minute. I'm going to give you a couple of things. Um, one, this is our strategic prayer list as Pioneer Bible Translators. Uh, I'm going to put it on this table over here. And um, if there are several of you together, I'd encourage you to take one and photocopy it because I had no, in my wildest dreams, I never saw this many people showing up for this workshop. So uh, please take one of these. If you don't get one, um, I'm going to write my, well, there's no pins here. Um, yes, there are. I'm going to write my email address on the board. You can email me, and I would be happy to send you a copy of this. Um, I'm not sure, Kathy. That's a good question. It may be available on the Pioneer Bible Translators website, pbti.I'm sorry, pioneerbible.org. Um, so you can look there. You can email me and uh, take a copy of this. Um, a second thing that I'm going to put out uh, on the table with this is a survey. And I am developing a small group curriculum uh, that is designed to help people that want to take their relationship with the Lord from where it is, one step, one step, one step, until uh, in a pursuit of being able to know and to hear God's voice. And um, the idea of the way this is used in that curriculum is you take the survey and you put it in an envelope, seal it up, 
put it aside for a period of months, and then go back to it later and take it again and try and uh, identify areas in your life to focus prayer on for God to help grow you in that specific area. So we're going to set those out as well. Kathy, would you put those on that round table for me over there? Um, another resource that I would mention, by the way, the, the, uh, the Quest survey, thank you, the Quest survey is available um, on the resources that each speaker provides for their workshop. You can download that survey from the workshop um, site. Uh, the other thing I will mention is the book, Extreme Prayer, which also has a lot to do with my being here today. Our president, Greg Pruitt, wrote this. tells a lot about his uh, experience with prayer and kind of the growth. I, I've shared a lot the last half about my experience. He does the same thing in this book. I would encourage you. Um, we're getting all kinds of good feedback from churches and individuals. It's available in the bookstore downstairs next to the uh, coffee shop until tomorrow morning. So if you would, um, if you're interested, you want to make your way down there pretty quickly. Uh, the last thing that I'll just say, um, really want to encourage you. For me, most important thing that I've ever done in my life is pursue God with all my heart, with all my soul. The transformation, the power that I see now in my ministry is unlike anything I have ever, ever experienced. I mean, we're talking about two different worlds. And I don't think God works the same way in everyone's life. Like I said, there is no formula. What I've shared may seem somewhat eclectic to you. And I think that's how God wants it. Because you really have to put your heart into it. At least I did. And I want to encourage you to pursue God as diligently, as passionately as you know how, believing that He wants a very deep, very intimate relationship with you. And He will... Uh, he will bring that to pass. Now, for me, it took a year, year and a half to really get into it, two years, but I'm a slow learner. So it may happen more quickly for you. But um, that's really my message today. Pray persistently. Pray in unified groups. Figure out what are the strategic things that align with the nature, the person, the mission of Jesus List those out and just keep bringing them before the Father and let Him revise, update, expand in the ways that He leads. But stay focused, stay on task because if what you're doing is aligned with the nature of Jesus, God will provide unlimited power. I'm going to close in a word of prayer, but then I just want to um, invite anybody that has questions uh, to ask. So if you would kind of slip out quietly, unless there's no questions, and then it won't matter. Let's pray. Father, the 
the evidence is right here before us today that You are moving and touching hearts and calling people to Yourself. And we are aware, Lord, that You need to be at the center of our lives, at the center of our ministry, at the center of everything that we do. And I pray, Father, first and foremost, that You would give each one of us a greater desire to know You more. And a willingness, Lord, to do whatever it takes to pursue a deeper, more intimate relationship with You. Holy Spirit, Create that desire in each of my brothers and sisters here. Give them encouragement along the way. Show them where to start, what to do. Taking even small steps, but to keep taking steps one after another. Lord, speak to us through Your Word. Let us encounter You as the author and know that we have been in Your presence. We pray for Thy kingdom, Thy reign, Thy rule to be expanded in our lives in every decision before us. that Your will would be accomplished and that we would be Your hands, Your feet, Your voice on this earth. That we would lift Jesus up and that all men would be drawn to Him. We give You thanks. We give You praise in His name. Aligned with His nature and His purpose. Amen. Any questions? Well, thank you all very much. I will be around for a few minutes.